We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. KJ Podcast, my people. Wednesday night edition. Hitting the record button late. Just did all my research on the Lions. We have Chris Burke from The Athletic. I've loved his work for a while. He was SI.com for a long time. Now he's traveling with the Lions as the beat reporter. We'll have him on San Francisco 49ers week two against the Detroit Lions. This has been circled on the calendar as a win for a long time. A lot of that because upcoming games against the Chiefs and the Chargers. A lot of people are predicting the 49ers to lose those two. Not calling this a must win, but all of a sudden, things could snowball for both of these teams. The Lions had the Patriots coming up next. So low-key, kind of a big Week 2 matchup. Someone in the NFC is going to be sitting in hot water trying to dig themselves out of a hole. KJ Podcast is a part of Blue Wire, bluewirepods.com. Bringing together Ted Nguyen, Ray Woodson will have... Two more podcasters by the end of the month looking at expanding to more than just the Bay Area. Very exciting times ahead if you like audio content like this. Give those a listen, guys. Throw me a bone here. We're launching podcasts. We're adding ones that exist. We're going to be trying to make this thing and beef it up with with people who know what they're talking about. BlueWirePods.com Yeah, I mean, I did my research. I, I thumbed around here and I think... There's a lot going on between these two teams. Both had very interesting week one games. Obviously, the Lions got throttled on the national stage. They were just completely embarrassed. Four interceptions from Matt Stafford, a punt return for a touchdown, a 50-yard rushing touchdown, explosive plays all over the field. Sam Darnold's first ever game. It was as ugly as it gets for the Lions. I don't think they're going to play that bad. I think this is going to end up being a much closer game. I do think the Lions could be bad this year. They could be 5-11, and but I think this is a much closer game 
than people are anticipating. The thing about the Lions is they got a bunch of holes on their roster. They can't cover tight ends well. They don't really have a running game on offense established yet. O-line is sketchy at best. They literally are counting on Matt Stafford to bail them out. And they have good receivers, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones. Kenny Galladay has really emerged. He's 6'4", another big target. He had 12 receptions last week. They're going to go shotgun four wide receivers most of the time. It was 85% they ran shotgun last week. Now they were getting their asses kicked. But I think Detroit, it's going to be a shootout with the 49ers. At the end of the day, I just think there's a ton of spots Kyle Shanahan can attack. Jimmy G is going to be set up to execute, to tee off. Things are not going to be as difficult as they were against the Vikings. They'll come a lot easier. I think the running game will get established more with Alf and Matt Breida. I think they'll be throwing the use check a little bit more. I am not worried about the 49ers offense in this game. That is, if they don't shoot themselves in the foot, they have to prove they're a one-on-one team. If you're a good football team and you want to make the playoffs, you beat the Lions at home. This is not a scary team. Matt Patricia, there's already rumors of him. Veterans are tuning him out. They're coming off a devastating loss, short week. All the circumstances are against the Lions, and it just feels like a Jimmy G bounce back week. Not that he played poorly at all against the Vikings, but it feels like he's going to come in here with that swagger, that confidence, get an early lead, and kind of kick the Lions while they're down. So kind of how last week was about how do you topple Minnesota? Like, how do you match up? How do you square up against these guys? This week, I think it's the 49ers literally executing their game plan. They have a more talented roster, a better coaching staff. And at this point, if you're a good NFL franchise, that's enough. I think there'll be ways for Kyle to get creative, but I think it's going to be pretty basic. Base formations, nothing crazy. Line them up. Let DeForest Buckner get loose. Eric Armstead played 59 snaps last week. That's a lot. He had some cut-ups that look really good and disruptive especially in the middle as a run defender. You know, the kind of role that Solomon Thomas was anticipating on having 35 snaps for him, the offsides penalty. We really didn't get much into the D-line last week. Looking at more of the tape, they were kind of the reason Minnesota was sputtering on offense in the fourth quarter. They came out early, limited the Vikings to some field goals. I thought the defense, upon further review of the film, had a very nice showing Kirk Cousins threw a couple dimes for touchdowns. Those were pretty well defended. I criticized the killer Witherspoon a little bit. No terribly blown coverages. They forced a fumble with Fred Warner. I think if the defense plays like this again against Matt Stafford, it's a win. As long as the offense executes and scores touchdowns in the red zone, as long as there's 66% in the red zone, go two for three in there. Baby steps. We don't have to go three for three yet. There's a couple question marks, nothing major this week. Marquise Goodwin not practicing as of Wednesday night. I think he's active and plays a little bit and is in for at least 20 to 30 snaps. And Dante Pettis is getting 20 to 30 snaps. Marquise Goodwin is a player you don't want to overexert him and then this quad becomes an ankle and he's not fully ready. This is why you drafted Dante Pettis. You have a depth piece here who scored a touchdown week one. This is not about stealing Marquise Goodwin's job. It's about keeping him healthy for a 17-week season. 
he's that important of a piece. This is the Lions. You have two bigger games coming up. Do you think you can get away with using Dante Pettis here? If Marquise Goodwin isn't right, let's not do this. And that should be the medical staff. And we pointed this out before about the 49ers medical. They have been given green lights all the time to <laughs> some medical situations. So I expect Goodwin to play, but you know maybe don't put him out there for 60 snaps. You need this guy for a long time. You might be able to start Dante Pettis, get an early lead, and it's like, okay, we got to rest Keese. Like, that's a good feeling. That Good teams do that. Like, we don't need to play our star player here. We're feeling good about our matchups. This rookie's hot. Let's ride his hot hand. This is not about replacing anyone. This is about smart football. So think about it. Like, I think the medical staff should – I mean, they have the reports. I, I'm, I'm not criticizing them at all, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see if he plays the entire game. Sirens going off, babies crying. This is what happens when you record a pod at 1023 KJ Podcast. Breaking down everything, Lions, 49ers. Mike McGlinchey, it sounds like he'll be back at right tackle. They had an undrafted guy at right guard who they just picked up today. Mike Person still moving around gingerly. Looks like Joshua Garnett's going to be out this week. So right guard is a little bit of a situation. You're not exactly scared of their D-line. Ziggy Ansah, remember the 49ers, we thought about, mm, would they go after him in free agency? The Lions franchise tagged him, and Ziggy Ansah now limited this week in practice. Sounds like he's going to play. I don't think Kyle Shanahan's scared of this Matt Patricia scheme at all. Not after what Jeremy Bates did to it last week. Has a similar background, play-calling style to Kyle Shanahan. I think... They're going to use some concepts that the Jets used last week. Matt Patricia is supposed to be this defensive guy, and he's been getting lit up in the Super Bowl. Patriots did not have a good defense last year. He was kind of like a hot name two years ago and wasn't last offseason, but the Lions wanted to get something much different than Jim Caldwell. They, they're trying. Yeah, no, I mean, not scared of Detroit. You lose this game, there's going to be some chatter. There's going to be some talks of overhype, especially with the Chiefs next week. The Chiefs might have the best offense in the league. They're going to be top five probably. Andy Reid moved on from Alex Smith because he knew Pat Mahomes was going to be an upgrade. He does this all the time. So I I think the 49ers should feel a little pressure. They should also look in the mirror and say, we're a better football team than the Lions. Devon Kennard, Gerard Davis, Christian Jones, those are their linebackers. Ricky Jean Francois has been on every NFC team the last couple of years. He's starting for them. Sylvester Williams. Yeah, this defense, their secondary, I thought, is the strength with Darius Slay, Quandre Diggs. They had a pick six last week. Glover Quinn is a veteran at safety. I don't think the defense will be able to stop the run. And then I think play action is going to just shred them. And I think there's going to be. I think Kittle is going to go for over 100. Someone else will go for over 100. Jimmy G will throw for 315. Three touchdowns. Two interceptions. I think he's got a little bit of an interception thing going on. And it's going to be a little bit of a bug to shake out. The good news is that the Chiefs defense and Chargers defense don't look insurmountable. It looks like Kyle could come up with a game plan and get four touchdowns on the scoreboard, even on the road. Chiefs environment's going to be tough. 49ers will have a home game in L.A. against the Chargers. I bet tickets are being gobbled up. 
by Niners fans in L.A. right now. ton of Bay Area people down there. Back to the defense real quick before we get to Chris Burke of The Athletic. I'm feeling a little bit of heat for Solomon Thomas. Remember, I'm going to dial back the criticism of him. He's going through a tough time off the field. I'm really being patient with him. The fact that he's playing 35 snaps and getting phased out in certain rotations, and that's how they're going to exclude him and not Eric Armstead, it's troubling, guys. It's troubling because Jamal Adams looks like a star for the Jets. Marshawn Lattimore, he won Defensive Rookie of the Year last year, going to be a top 10 to 15 corner, it looks like. There were some players this team could have gotten, looks like, better than Solomon Thomas. We're giving him time. We're not going to be calling him out. I'm really trying to give him a chance here, but the 49ers aren't giving him a chance. They're playing him 35 plays out of 65. They're playing Eric Armstead 20 more plays here. They're trying to win football games, and they're also trying to give him a role. It's going to be very hard to juggle his development if it's not going well and he's really not making plays and it's October and he's playing 20 snaps. That looks really, really bad. So they're really going to have to figure out how he can be productive. I really think it's on the inside, but again, Armstead looked good as an interior run defender. This points a little bit back at John Lynch. I mean, you just can't draft someone in the top three who you're not sure is going to be a violent pass rusher. Solomon Thomas is not a violent player coming off the edge. Looking at Khalil Mack this past weekend, Vaughn Miller... I mean, those guys are light years away from Solomon Thomas. I just want a glimpse of one of those plays. I don't even want consistent pass rushing. Like, it's tough. I'm I'm giving him a chance. The 49ers have to figure it out, though. It's on them. His skill set is so unique that they're going to have to craft a really good role. Going to give Solomon the whole month of September here. Let's let him have a splash game. It might be coming. Brock Coyle on IR. I thought he had a bad game last week. The coaching staff loves him. He can make plays from time to time. He's definitely good on special teams. I'm cool with Elijah Lee this week. I think they're in better hands. He might give up a big player too, but he's hitting a little bit harder. He's faster in space. Could be tougher to throw his direction. So I'm totally cool with Elijah Lee playing. Malcolm Smith might rotate in some, but that was another whiff. You want to talk about defensive evaluations gone wrong. It's been injuries, and maybe he'll contribute as a backup, but 49ers have an out to his contract. That's obviously going to be a play if he can't get on the football field. Reuben Foster will be back next week. We didn't touch Jimmy Ward's couple reps last week against the Vikings. Gave up a big third-down catch. I can't believe he's getting, he's making $8 million. But the 49ers do have veteran depth. If they have issues later in the year, injury problems, like Jimmy Ward coming off the bench is not the worst thing. Malcolm Smith coming off the bench is not the worst thing. I mean, they're not paying Fred Warner very much, like maybe one or two million. So, I mean, it's it's not like this team is cap-strapped. They had to have a couple of veterans on this team. They weren't going to get rid of everyone. They're going to get criticized for those moves. Defense, I'm excited about. Colbert missed practice on Wednesday. I think it's it's just a precautionary thing. Tart had a nice tackle behind the line of scrimmage. Richard Sherman, great first game. I like what I'm seeing defensively. Small sample size, obviously. But I do think it could be like 
to like 26 this week. Something like that. I think the Niners can win by 11. Jimmy G bounce back game. Line them up and play. Don't try and overthink it. Borrow some concepts from Jeremy Bates. But I'm saying, Kyle, just go out, do your thing. This shouldn't be that big of a challenge. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. Don't let things snowball. Defense, we know who we have our eye on, who some of the players that need to step up, but overall, they're pretty good too. All right, I'll give some final closing thoughts, but I want to get to Chris Burke, really smart football mind, covering the Detroit Lions, bringing him in here. We'll get his perspective coming up next. KJ Podcast, we have Chris Burke on the line. I've admired his work for years. He was at SI.com for a while, now at The Athletic, covering the Detroit Lions. Chris, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for making time. Last minute, uh, it's week two. You know, had a short week this week, Monday Night Football. The Lions imploded on the national stage. <laughs> they were a punchline on Twitter. What the hell happened? Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was pretty shocking. I honestly can't remember being um, in an NFL building where, I mean, the fourth quarter, the home fans had all gone home and there were maybe, you know, 1,500,000, I don't even know if there were that many, maybe 1,000 Jets fans that had all moved down and sort of swarmed behind the Jets bench just doing the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, <laughs> Jets chant, and uh, they were singing the uh, – Na 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 na, hey hey hey, goodbye to the Lions. Like it was surreal to see that happen to the home team um, in an NFL game. Period. Let alone, you know, a Monday night uh, opener when they came in with so much hope. So I don't know. I mean, I think the Lions are sort of trying to convince people it's just sort of one bad game. You know, things snowballed on them, and to some extent, I think that's probably true. But you know, a lot of the problems that uh, it looked like they were going to have coming into the year, kind of showed up again. And so you wonder, I mean, this schedule they have coming up, uh, they go to San Francisco on a short week. They've got New England next week. Um, I mean, this could get pretty bad in a hurry if they don't figure out how to fix it. Yeah, man, the Lions look like they could be one of the worst teams in the NFC, just the way how top-heavy some of the other divisions are. I really didn't like Matthew Stafford tipping plays that's a troubling sign. Are the reports true about Matt Patricia and already losing the locker room? Like Tom Pelissero's that to come out this early in the season, something feels off about that. Uh, your ear is close to the ground. I mean, what, what was your take when that report came out? I, I mean, I think it was Glover Quinn talked um, in the locker room Wednesday and said, you know, there, there's always going to be some guys that are unhappy and always going to be guys that are happy with the coach. It just sort of depends on, you know, what the circumstances are. And if you're losing, it gets a lot harder to be happy with the coach. So, I mean, I, I'm positive there are guys in that locker room that aren't thrilled. I mean, I, I think that if you remember, they signed Robert Ayers for like 24 hours. Uh, and I think some of that was he came in and um, once he got in, he did one practice and did some meetings. And I think, it, you know, the, his personality as a veteran, the way he's always gone about things, maybe he didn't mesh very well with with Matt Patricia's the way he wants to do things and so that they parted ways and I think that there are going to be some guys um that are unhappy and I think to some extent that's 
I don't want to say that's the plan. I don't think they're trying to set fire this whole thing, but I think that part of the reason why Matt Patricia was hired is because they were, you know, most of the guys love Jim Caldwell and he was an extremely respected guy, really even keel. And, you know, they were like a wild card contender most years. They yeah. weren't getting over the top of that hump. And so I think there's, it was either, you know, continue down that path or really try to put this thing on its head. And I think that's some of what you're seeing now, you know, does that work or not? I don't know. I mean, we see these uh, hardline coaches come in and if they have success, it works. And if they don't, it usually uh, kind of goes to hell pretty quickly. So um, we'll see. I mean, I think that's all the more reason that they need to find a way to win some games here early because uh, those guys that maybe are unhappy, you know, they, they might tune it out in October, November, and then things get really ugly. Yeah, I don't know if you can simulate Belichick. We've seen Josh McDaniels fail at doing this. Eric Mangini was that way. Not a good start in Detroit. They could turn things around, though. It's a week-to-week league. I mean, they're coming out to San Francisco here. Jimmy Garoppolo is looking to bounce back as well. Three interceptions last week. Both quarterbacks are gunslingers. I'm expecting more of a, a shootout here. I mean, I, I thought with Darius Slay and Quandre Diggs, the secondary was going to be at least decent in Detroit. It was shocking to see Sam Darnold tear them apart. Are they going to bounce back, or do you think Jimmy G is set to have a big 300-yard game, three-touchdown performance? Yeah, I mean, I, we just look at that three-interception performance in Minnesota, and I actually don't think Garoppolo played all that poorly. I mean, I think he had some nice moments. I think he um, he missed some throws that could have tacked on another you know, 60, 70 yards to his total that I don't know that you can count on him to miss. And so you kind of compare what the Lions have and what the Vikings have. And I think the big thing is that the Vikings have a pass rush and you know they're going to get some pressure on the passer. So things have got to happen pretty quickly. Not only the Lions not really have that, uh, you know, other than Ziggy Ansah, who's now banged up already. And um, I assume will be listed as questionable when we get to the end of the week. Um, You know, they they don't necessarily even, it's not even really a, a staple of Matt Patricia's teams to go get the quarterback with blitzes or anything. So you need that defensive line to get home. And if not, it's going to make the secondary look worse no matter what. So I, you know, it's a tough draw for them. Certainly. And Garoppolo is a guy who can move around outside the pocket. That's, that's problematic with the way this uh, linebacking core reacts to things. I think George Kittle's a guy who could have a big game. They're not very good covering tight ends. They're not very good covering running backs. So defensively, there's some problems, and it sort of circles back to the thought of, you know, if Matthew Stafford's off for a couple more weeks here, how do they get snap out of this? Because I don't know that they have the personnel to do it on their own. It's really easy to pile on Matt Stafford right now. He's had a bunch of fourth-quarter comebacks. He's got a great arm. He really is not the problem in Detroit. It just feels like they're not going anywhere with him. They're in a marriage that's a little stale. It's not going to the promised land. He needs every piece around him, I think, to even win a playoff game. A lot of it's the franchise and the culture, but Matthew Stafford right now, big picture thoughts after week one. Yeah, and it's to year 10. I mean, it, again, yeah, he was he had a really good – uh, 2017, they need him to be that guy. I mean, they need him to be um, one of the best quarterbacks in the league if they're going to win games because that offense, they tried to upgrade the run game. And, it, you know, it's again, it's a one-game sample, so you never right. know. Things definitely could, could switch and be totally different this next week. But, you know, certainly the early returns on the run game are, are pretty bad, and the offensive line uh, 
was only so-so. And, and so those are things that have been problems in the past. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's set to have a huge drop-off. I think he had a bad game. I think he's still a really good quarterback, and he'll come back and have a really good season. But, you know, a really good season, um, and this team probably caps at six or seven wins. You know, I think he needs to have a great season year in and year out if they're going to win more than that. And and so, yeah, that's yeah. – uh, that's the worry with him, I guess. But uh, again, I don't, I don't think he's the, I think there's a lot of other things that are going to keep Matt Patricia up at night. And I don't know that Matthew Stafford's one of them. All right. It's understood. Monday night football was a disaster. I don't think the lions can play that poorly again. What was missing from Monday night football? What player on offense, what facet of this team could use a jolt? What are some matchups that the lions are looking at? Like essentially What's their game plan coming into Levi Stadium? I mean, I think it's going to be pretty much what it always is. If there's one thing, you know, you kind of look at that they could change. I think they could get Carrion Johnson into the game more and just sort of try to be a little more dynamic that way. Um, he didn't play a snap until the second quarter in week one. His touches were pretty limited, even though he was, um, you know, he had a couple of plays blown up because the offensive line didn't break block that well, but he had a, a nice run or two. He caught three passes, and that's you know he's a guy that can help you on all three downs. I think they're still kind of stuck trying to figure out exactly where to use him because they do believe Eric Blunt can help him on those early downs. Keel Riddick was their guy who was in pretty much exclusively once they got behind, and I think he'll continue to be that third down, passing down type guy. So. They've got to find some spots for carry on Johnson. I think that could be the one thing that changes, but otherwise, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of the same. It's going to be try to stretch the field if the opportunities are there. Um, and otherwise, you know, you're kind of living underneath with golden Tate and, and Riddick and, and trying to hit some play action. I don't think there's a whole lot that's going to change. And that was supposed to be one of the positives for them going into the season. That they kept Jim Bob Cooter, that they had that continuity from last year uh, and obviously didn't show up the first game. I'm curious your thoughts on this 49ers regime. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, it's going swimmingly out here. The fan base, after being tortured by Trent Baalke and Jed York made some bad hires. Chip Kelly really had a raw deal, but he failed. Jim Tom Sula failed. Kyle Shanahan, 6-10 and 10 last year. There's playoff expectations out here. Fans are bought in. Players are bought in. The energy's good. Coming from Detroit, an outsider's perspective, what do you think big picture of the 49ers? It's kind of interesting. I talked to Kyle Shanahan um, back at the league meetings in the spring. You know, they have all the coaches just sort of set up shop for like an hour during a breakfast and those things and let everyone swoop in. So I went over because Matt Patricia had talked about, you know, the biggest adjustment he had to make right at the start of taking the job was just sort of figuring out like time management and how to handle all these other tasks that he didn't have to do. And I, you know, I asked Kyle Shanahan when he felt comfortable, you know, when he settled in and uh, sort of got a a grip on everything. And he said like pretty recently, you know, he said it was like the start of season two right after his first season ended is when he felt comfortable coming back, doing things that he'd done the year before. And so I think that that's sort of something to keep in mind with for the Lions and Matt Patricia is, you know, he said all along, this is going to be kind of a process and not, you know, immediately drop him in on a nine-win team and then go 12-4 and four and win the Super Bowl. I think he had a sense it was going to take a little while. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think obviously what uh, the 49ers seem to have in place there um, is impressive. You mentioned hitting on – at least seeming to hit on the draft picks. Obviously, these guys are still young, but I think that's the 
maybe the biggest complaint of, of Bob Quinn in Detroit is that a lot of these draft picks he's made, he's made are starting to fizzle out already. And so there's not that infusion of kind of youth uh, to the roster, which the 49ers seem to have. And Kyle Shanahan, I mean, we know he's a great offensive coach. We know he's going to scheme it well. Uh, you know, obviously he's got the quarterback he needs. It's unfortunate they had the uh, Jarek McKinnon injury there, but you know, uh, it, I think everything's positive in terms of how you look at um, that team and the direction that they're headed in. So uh, it's uh, we keep talking about how things could switch. I think the the feeling in Detroit would change 180 if they go win that game in San Francisco and beat a team that has such high expectations itself. Oh, yeah, this would be a bad loss for the 49ers. They would not be <laughs> – yeah. they've circled this as a win because they've got at Chiefs, at Chargers after this, which are going to be very, very tough games. So you talk about a must win early on week two for two teams that could snowball out of control here. And, and the Niners would figure it out, and they have an easier schedule in November. I'm sure the Lions are going to get to six or seven wins, as you said, but it really feels like an early season NFC – Loser of this game is going to be in big-time trouble. Chris, if you had to make a prediction, week two, how is this going to play out? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to pick the Lions having watched some. Yeah, I know the preseason <laughs> doesn't matter all, all that much, but the things that were going wrong in the preseason were still there in week one. I think it was just a really a really poor effort all along. I, I, do, think that they'll, I do think that they'll be better. I think Stafford will have a better game. Um, I think the run game probably will be a little better. You know, I, Kyle Shanahan actually said, you know, he did a conference call with the Detroit media. He actually said, I don't think the Lions defense played all that bad and kind of mentioned, you know, the, there's the pick six from Stafford, the punt return, like the game kind of got away without the defense even really being on the field. Um, and so I think that's a valid point, but yeah, it's just such a tough, the things that the 49ers do well in theory offensively, are sort of exactly where the Lions are weakest defensively. And so I think they're going to have a tough time slowing down that offense. Um, I think Stafford will, will find a way to put up some points. But, you know, I, I, I like I said, it's hard to pick Detroit, especially going out there, a place they haven't won in 23 years or something like that. Um, I think San Francisco wins. I think it's probably a good game, much better than the Monday Nighter. But I think San Francisco gets the W. Chris Burke from The Athletic lived up to the hype. Great interview, man. Great getting your insight. Have fun covering the game and enjoy your time in California. We'll talk again soon. Yeah, let me know if uh, I can ever help again. Basically what Chris said, it's hard to pick the Lions this week. Even though they're not going to give up 48 points, they're not going to turn the ball over four times. Matt Stafford's going to play a lot better. It's just hard to watch that tape, to see their offseason Matt Patricia's momentum and be like, yeah, they're going to walk into San Francisco on a short week and bully Jimmy G and Kyle. That's how legit the 49ers are now. A bad, weaker team comes in here. The 49ers have respect, I think, from the rest of the league that they should take care of business. They've reached that level in year two where they're not scared, really, of 10 to 12 teams in the league. They're clearly above those. They've made the leap from the basement to, on their best day, they can beat the Jaguars. So the 49ers could come out and steamroll the Lions. That wouldn't be shocking, but I'm expecting more of 37-26. High scoring, offense is high flying. Alfred goes for over 100. Brita has a bunch of catches. I think the defense will get beat a couple big plays. 
Lions will finish some in the red zone. And the 49ers will pull away in the fourth quarter. The crowd will be loud. I am going to be very surprised if it's a loss. If the Lions walk in here, it will be because the defense looked bad and because the offense shot itself in the foot. I hope that's not the theme this season. That would be a frustrating 7-9 theme to see Jimmy G throw for 300 and lose some of these games because of drops, penalties, miscues, Kendrick Bourne running the wrong route. Like That's all got to be cleaned up. All of that's got to be cleaned up. It's young players. This team's inexperienced. Those mistakes are going to happen, but not against the Lions. Like, do this against a team who you're probably already going to lose to. Do the miscues there, like the Vikings game. Come correct against the Lions. Show the rest of the league you have your shit together. This is a big statement game. Or there are going to be jokes on Twitter, and 49ers fans are going to get defensive, but it's, I mean, it's real. It's a week-to-week league. 0-2 0-2 is not going to be a good look for this team. I don't think it'll happen, though. I'm picking the 49ers pretty confidently. By the way, Daniel Hunter calling Jimmy G scared of the pressure. He should go watch Derek Carr on film. There's a bunch of other quarterbacks around the league who do not stand in the pocket like Jimmy Garoppolo. And when he looks to get out and extend the play, it's normally the right move. He knows how to maneuver that pocket pretty damn well. So not taking those comments seriously from Daniel Hunter. Crazy things get said after a big win in an NFL locker room. The adrenaline, the dopamine going off in people's brains. I mean, uh, I definitely miss talking to athletes after games too. But man, some of those tough losses. It's I was in so many dead-ass quiet 49ers, Browns, Redskins locker rooms. It got tough. Love giving you this podcast analysis. BlueWirePods.com. There's more like this. Ted Nguyen on the Raiders. Ray Woodson on the SF Giants. Two more podcasts coming by the end of the month. Yeah, I think the headline will read Sunday. Bounce back game for Jimmy G, Kyle Shanahan. 49ers 1-1. Feeling confident and good about how they played to start the season Keep your eye on Juszczyk to see if he's involved more. I think Kittle has a big day over the middle. That film clip I posted from Brandon Thorne where he showed Kyle Shanahan carving up Minnesota on that George Kittle drop, that play was set up by so many other plays that looked like it that had tight ends and options peeling off right towards the sideline. It was meant for the defense to fall asleep and George Kittle slipped underneath all the traffic and Minnesota just lost him. Kyle Shanahan can manipulate eyesight on the football field and that was a really good example of that. And that's an incredible defense. I think they're, Matt Patricia's in big trouble. I think the Lions are in huge, huge trouble. They lose this. 4-12 and 12 could be in the cards. Matt Stafford, I'm all over the map with him. I, I like when he wins, but it's not often enough. He has nothing around him. It's a bad culture. My buddy Ben Axelrod tweeted, Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson retired in the middle of their prime. Playing in Detroit is very joyless. I think it's going to be a joyless Sunday for Lions fans. 49ers are going to come out on top. KJ Podcast, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. Football is back. 
We'll talk to you again in a couple of days. Peace. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.